0: Hello and welcome to a special Christmas Eve episode of St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing on this glorious, glorious Christmas Eve?
1: Good afternoon, Lindsay, and um, doing well. Uh, being sort of uh, challenged by the heat that's around. Um, so I'm sitting in in, in the I think the, one of the most coolest parts of the house um, and uh, also trying to um, understand uh, what the the ambience of the season is because often one would have been engrossed by it, you know, having been in the malls and hearing Christmas songs and so on, seeing trimmings and all that kind of stuff but, um, I think the festivity of the mood is, um, you know, the, it's so we we sort of in a in a slump because we're uh, overwhelmed by the news of what COVID is doing, and mm. at the same time we're trying to also lighten our spirits up, um, in in spite of of, of that. But um, yeah, uh, thank, we 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 are challenged very much so as we seek to interpret um, our faith and in. In explore our faith and what sense of being we should have um, under an abnormal circumstances.
2: Um. Mm.
0: Father, this is going to be a little bit of a change up for us because it is our last episode for the year. We'll be back in two weeks time um, with a new and refreshed version of the exploration of faith in this time of crisis. Uh, Maybe we'll change that also a little bit. Uh, but we'll see what the new year brings. Father, the theme you have extracted for Christmas Eve and for the Christmas period is loving God, draw us to worship the child in the manger. And I must say, firstly, I apologize if there's banging going on in the background. Our neighbors, I think they are constructing these stables for tonight.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. So they're getting ready for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the crib scene.
0: Yes, I, I think so. And I think they're building that, that, that stable from scratch right now. Um, okay. Talking about that, the first hymn, the procession hymn, is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Um, you are obviously quite familiar with it. So Bethlehem is the Hebrew word for, I think it translates to house of bread. That's um, correct, And it was initially named after the Canaanite fertility God, Lachem, which mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing that um, you'd have a birth of Christ set in the place that is named after fertility, the, the bread basket of, of Israel, if you will, because this is only mm-hmm. like 10 days south of Jerusalem if i'm not mistaken there on the much tormented west bank so the song opens with a little town of bethlehem how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by Uh, but i am more drawn to the second verse and the second line of the second verse which reads while mortals sleep the angels keep their watch of wandering love There's, there's a lot of themes that go on at Christmas time. But one thing that, that I like to hone in on is the fact that Joseph was a descendant of David and they moved to Bethlehem from Nazareth, which would have been, by my calculations, a 35-kilometer journey from the north to the south. Um while the wife is pregnant with all of these, the burdens of being a mortal. Um, do you have any thoughts about this father? Well, um, it's
1: amazing how history is made and our history is followed and how the stories of humanity uh, both inspire us in many ways and also depress us in other ways. Um, how we can relate to these stories, um, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole sense of movement in scripture is for me quite interesting because uh, Israel so much wanted to build a fixed structure for God and God's presence, mm-hmm. not a tent that could be moving around from place to place. So our God is a God that is on the move, a God that is not passive, a God that is a God of journey, uh, a God who takes us from one space to the next. And mm. the circumstances of the time was governed by a political uh, audit or ed- edict that went out um, for the Nazareth, co- um, the census taking, uh, which mm. is what the Luke mm. Gospel says to us. But um, that wasn't the place of consensus, the, the uh, standing under the rule of an earthly king um, who wanted control of his people was not the place where God was going to be um, um, uh, manipulated. So the movement away from this um Gives us a sense, number one of the obedience that Joseph had, I mean, as you said the other day, Joseph really plays a very passive role in this whole scenario, a very obedient role now remember the culture of then is unlike the culture of now, uh, where people um you know pregnancy was an issue but but these people were tough, you know um civilization has made us a little bit uh, too cozy and cushy so we take the easy way out Um, also um, the the journey of of the family the the family, the taking care of the family was a way in which God was going to start at the place where a foreign God was worshipped and God was Mm -hmm. going to as it were, recreate the story of conception and fertility and new birth and new life, mm. but not mm. in a crispy palace, but amongst the, the very mundane of life, mm. um, uh, on a straw bed in a place which was not your own, that whole subject of humility and obedience comes to the frame. And um, you know, you're talking about the marriage between Nazareth and Bethlehem, which is very interesting, uh, because there's a book about the history of humanity that I'm finding very difficult to complete because it's such it's a it's a thick book, and it talks about how the the how where man started in Africa, and the movement that was made. Thirty five kilometers would have been a whole year's movement for the mm. early persons, early human humanity. And here, um, I suppose, 35 on a donkey walking would not have been so far. Right now, at that, st- at that stage, man would have been able to cope with that kind of journey. And um, so I would. The, the main theme I get out of this is the obedience of, of, of man, the plan of God, and the fact that God is a God of journey. And a God who brings newness to the world, trapped in um, uh, in, in, in our own sense of thinking, God brings mm-hmm. something new. That would be my themes uh, coming from, from there, because if we go back to the words you just spoke, uh, in our um, state of sleepiness, and we all mm-hmm. know we are overwhelmed mm-hmm. by that, God's angels are watching, you know, they are the sentries of the night, mm. um, when we are at our most vulnerable. In a state of sleep, where once we once we are asleep, um, as some people would say, we are gone to the world,
2: mm. in the
1: hope of waking up the next morning. But what is happening while we are sleeping? And the word of wandering love, because God connects with every community, the God of journey.
0: Mm. Yeah, it it does echo nicely or does lead nicely into the um, first reading, which is Isaiah 9 verses 2 to 7, especially verses 2 and 3 which says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. You have given them great joy, Lord. You have made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done as people rejoice when they harvest grain or when they divide captured wealth. And yeah, again, Isaiah goes full on agricultural with these yeah, energies. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. I, which I have highlighted um, before and it's interesting like uh, because did you did you observe the the star of Bethlehem um, I didn't Christmas see it
1: uh, they somebody sent me from better places the the, yeah. the image of it yeah and it was definitely what you and I grew up with in terms of Christmas cards and um, you know what was on top of our Christmas tree, uh,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. a star shining. So I think when I looked at the image, I got I got memories of that flooding back, and okay. Um,
0: okay. what a phenomenon! Indeed, uh, I I went out into the night with my children to witness this celestial. Brilliance. And I was a bit underwhelmed because um, I think they I think Saturn and Jupiter got within 10 degrees of each other. So from certain vantage points um, around the Earth, uh, it seemed closer. But from I think from Cape Town, you never quite saw the two stars merge. They got very close. um, And I mean, we were out there at the, the, the specific time that it was said to to occur. But it it was interesting. My daughter asked me a question about the timelines of Christmas, like how old Jesus is, <laughs> like in terms of, and then I had to explain to her the complication that is the <laughs> the calendar that we have been gifted with,
2: <laughs> yeah, at, at least absolutely, the one that we have
0: adopted as a species, um, yeah and how it moves backwards um until a certain point and then it moves forward forward oh, yeah right <laughs> which is absolutely bizarre um and yeah it, it it just reminded me how like i i find it to be absurd that that we would keep time in, in such a way but it reminded me how dominant christianity is in the world um and we went to we actually also made a a pilgrimage to the cinema a return to the cinema to see the hillsong christmas spectacular it's something we we watch every year or as as we can afford it Um, it's usually staged um, at some live venue but obviously this year they had to uh turn it into a screening um and it, it, it was very interesting to see the different kinds of translations of traditional christmas songs to meet the demands of a visual audience. Um, And and, and it was, yeah, it it, it was very, very good. And my children enjoy it. My son was dancing in the aisles and my (laughs) daughter was singing along with everything. And it was was quite a nice time. Um, But Father, that's enough about me. Can you please call the minds together with the collective prayer before we move on?
1: Okay, thanks very much, Lindsay, for that uh, introduction. As captured in the Psalms, the greeting I had for this uh, service, the Lord, who is great and most worthy of praise, is with us. And that was captured from the Psalms. As I greet you, I also call you to prayer, um, prayer for the evening services. Um, It is the collect, and and if you have a pew leaflet with you, if you've downloaded it or have it on your phone, please pray with me. Loving God, your light shone brightly in the stable of Bethlehem. Draw us to worship the child in the manger and use us to tell the story of his love to the world who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
0: Isaiah speaks some prophetic words in in verse 6, which is, A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His royal power will continue to grow. His kingdom will always be at peace. He will rule as King David's successor, basing his power on right and justice from now until the end of time. How would Isaiah have known with such accuracy? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I,
1: um, Isaiah being one of the major prophets of the time, having been tuned into what God was needing people to say, and this obviously to a people in exile was a word of hope, To them. It has messianic overtones uh, that God would bring to the world um, the Messiah um, who is seen in the light that that is described by the prophet um, to us. So one can see that prophecies are not always for the immediate time. Uh, but also for what God is planning for the future. Uh, Many people have said, uh, scholars who studied Isaiah said that when you read Isaiah, you basically read the Gospels. Mm. Uh, So Isaiah plays this very extended uh, role as a prophet, it would seem, not only for The Old Testament, but a prophet also used in the New Testament, especially when it comes around the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, so this is a very accurate, um, as it were, um, understanding of what God must have said to him and probably shown him of of the future kings. I, I think it also goes back, you know, when we look back, we also are able to look forward. Because you know David was a child, um, but there was no fan, fan, fanning around him. Uh, you know to be the favorite. What's his name? But when his father Jesse was approached about the sons becoming kings, uh, this was God's designation, and um, eventually the prophet had to make up his mind as to whether. Um, you know, given what God was telling him, whether the person presented to him was going to be the person whom God had chosen. And mm. God chose the mm. most unlikely person, the shepherd boy. Mm. God chooses the most unlikely um, sense of a Messiah, a child. And God gives us a sense of the, the growth of this child into the kind of person God wants him to be. Uh, His name um, shall be called, I think that's what the translation says in the older translations, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So it's not just um, growing into a role and a function. It's by virtue of the name, he becomes what God wants him to become for the world. So he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. The principle is what are we humans looking for? What are we crying out for uh, in terms of the way we are meant to be ruled? So there's a process, a formation that happens from the birth of this child through sonship into the leadership role that he would play based on the model of King David. So, taking David from where he was, he wasn't, although he was anointed king, he still had to grow into that role through various challenges. Saul wasn't immediately taken from his throne, but David was taken through various um, processes of formation Mm. um, before he became the king. And the reason why David is that sort of model king. It was under his rule that the north and the south came together.
2: Mm.
1: It was he that uh, brought the unity that the people of Israel needed, uh, whereas the other kings brought division. And so what, what, what the world needs is not a heavy-handed ruler, but a person who understands, who listens. He counsels them through their hurt and their pain. Peace. He's the one that governs in peace. And so, a child is born to us; a son is given. Childship, sonship, and then leadership in the adult mm. version. So, God was God's plan was working itself out as it from a start to where God ultimately wants to to reveal the plan. And we know from from this that Jesus, whether Isaiah had an had an understanding that it was going to be Jesus, I don't know. Some scholars may actually say. Even the servant songs of Isaiah, uh, we read from the New Testament perspective, from the resurrection perspective, that this is Jesus who he's talking about. But from Mm. the other side, Isaiah may not have actually known specifically who that servant was going to be. He may not have known it was going to be Jesus. Uh, He wouldn't have known that John the Baptist would be the precursor for Jesus. Mm. So, so the revelation is always unfolding. The prophetic word is unfolding. Um, It strikes us in the beginning, but it's something we have to look forward to. Uh, God drawing us into God's vision for the world. There is Mm. no doubt in my Mm -hmm. mind that um, kingship and rulership became a reality When people could not understand that God plays that role for them.
2: Mm. So
1: this earthly Mm. sense of a kingdom, uh, God, as it were, allowed it to happen, but then reworked it into the model God chooses for it to be in. And of course, um, you know, all the words there are things you and I in the struggle years were looking for, Mm. peace, justice, Mm. righteousness, Where was that coming from? Were they just abstract thoughts? But we look to people like Mandela in terms of the political scene, um, who by far um, is the outstanding statesman uh, um, who could have so easily been modelled on hatred, and he wasn't. As I say, what happened in that cell that that he was not telling us, but Mm. that he was actually living and, and he himself would not say, I'm the Messiah. He would not say that. I was listening this morning to a clip sent by my wife to the, the family chat. And it's it's actually Korean singers um, mm. in, in English, mm. they sing, singing. And one of the things that they ask, uh, you know, the question is, what kind of Christmas is this going to be for you? Mm. And then they mm. tell this Story of Jesus uh, in that in that what's his name uh, given where we are at, but in all of that, he still comes to save us. Mm. And whether mm. we human beings want want to hear it or not, we are always looking for the savior.
0: Which is then interesting if you go into like the entomology of of the name Jesus, um, which yeah. is. Ooh, I lost my notes now. <laughs> okay. Joshua. Um yes, 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 Yeshua. Um so then there's that whole confusion between like Joshua and Jesus. Um, but it means what's a deliverer or yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Comes to save his people.
0: Yes. And obviously, like we well, I, I shouldn't say obviously because that that is just assuming. So Joshua was a he was actually a good. A great one of the great military captains, um, Absolutely. in the Israelite camp, um, through Exodus from Egypt, and he was, yeah, he led the conquest of Canaan, which then, yeah, that's that's just a very interesting little segue there. The whole idea of the name being like stretching back all the way through all the like the prophets, like who the deliverer, who the savior, what the savior's name shall be. And then the way I find it interesting, the way that the English language stumbled onto (laughs) the word Jesus. Like if you, if you strip, if you separate the word from the character, like, it's, it's, it's an interesting, because they, like, had to navigate the confusion with Yeshua and Joshua and then arrive at something that kind of had the same root, but really didn't, and then took on its own form going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an argument I've had with, with a close friend of mine who went to, you know, there's, there's a pilgrimage that, Certain Christians go on, and then they—it's like they're discovering for the first time, which is always funny to me because I've read all these things and I've made it my business to know um, the history and tradition and everything. Um, which is also why I enjoy this podcast so much because we get to explore that in depth. Uh, but but moving on beyond that, so so we have this messianic prophecy. Can I just remor- say something in there? Yeah. Can I just something?
1: Um, there is, um, uh, um, uh, I, I would call it American influence, um, now called the Messianic Christians,
2: mm.
1: where they, ha- and, and they are sects that are running around here in South Africa as well, uh, wanting to reclaim Jewish roots. Yes. Um, yes. And, and so they would pronounce the word Joshua instead of Jesus. Um, and it's amazing how easily people get influenced, isn't it? Um, Joshua like Moses as I was with Moses so I will be with you, was the words that God had spoken to Joshua when he had to take over the leadership of the people. Mm. Now that's very significant Mm. to me because we have in the narrative of scripture um, typological figures Um, who point to to Jesus and the role that he would play. And so uh, as much as uh, Joshua and Moses were in the liberating mold, uh, leading the people to the promised land, that that would be a kind of typological reality when Mm. we read about what Jesus was going to do because that was the ultimate um, uh, journey of liberation. And so when we read these things and people get it confused, I think there was this thing that uh, when Jesus came and in Matthew's gospel says, I, I've put the axe to the root of the tree. Mm. Because what was happening was that they had distorted everything. Mm. But it is also important to remember that people do have or needed to do redaction, editing of the narrative
2: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. to get rid of unfortunate confusions.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, but then you find people coming up with all kinds of things now believing that what they've really discovered now is, is the thing. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, yeah. you know, whether we, whether we fall for every gimmick that comes particularly from America. <laughs>
0: um, that gets sold very well. Like that, that's the American superpower is marketing. Um, they oh, know yeah. exactly how to package things to prey on all of our fallibles. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to start the thing now. So the gradual hymn is Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, right? So I'm going to read it in a way, and I'm going to explain it in a way now that might alter a lot of people's perceptions about this popular um, hymn. When there are exclamation marks, except for the Hark, but um, that is the actual words of the angels as taken from um, some of the Gospels. And everything else is like the songwriter inputting a narrative there. So it goes, hark, the herald angels sing. So a herald is obviously the trumpeters that go ahead of the king or the army and they herald the arrival of something. So now the angels are speaking. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Now it's the songwriter again. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Then it's the angels again. Christ is born in Bethlehem. And then it's just repeating the first verse, which is hark, the herald angels sing. And then the angels say again, glory to the newborn king. So it's pretty much the angels are only singing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Glory to the newborn king. That is what the angels are saying. Everything else is inserted. Heart the herald angels sing. Glory to
2: the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God in sinners reconcile. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king.
1: Well, I think it's very, very good because I think it's then almost responsorial.
0: Mm. When
1: the angels make this this announcement, we are called into worship. All he nations Mm. rise. How do you rise? Rise in joyfulness and join The time, so that is our call to worship, our call to response of what heaven has come to proclaim to us. Mm. And heaven could come have come with a message to say, Well, I just beat you all to a pulp. No, this God says, I've come to bring peace on earth Mm. and I've come to reconcile. That is the most. That is so. So obviously, the, uh, the the Psalmite is saying, "Let's respond to this. How yeah. can we respond to this? Yeah. You know, let's rise joyfully. Let's rise together, not one nation yeah. only, but all the nations. Yeah. So a collective rising in response to this good news, this heralded news of God being reconciled to sinners, sinners being reconciled to God." sinners being reconciled to sinners and what better way to also now proclaim with the angels and remember that comes into the eucharistic prayer um, mm. when we say therefore with angels and mm. archangels angels with all the company of heaven and then we look to isaiah again holy 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 lord god of hosts heaven and earth are full of your glory we look to a new testament text: hosanna Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, it brings up certainly. I think you 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 trod on a piece of gold there when you highlighted it in the way that you did. And now, if you don't mind, I'm going to use it in my sermon tonight <laughs> no. and this afternoon. You know, I uh, I, I, just... didn't, I didn't understand the exclamation marks in that way, uh, but thank you for highlighting that and just gave me impetus to. Be able to look with new eyes at um, God is doing something. What are we called to do this? How are we called to respond to that? Mm,
0: yeah, and it's the yeah. ultimate like kind of commitment to the faith, or at least faithful exclamation. Where it's like Christ is born in Bethlehem. It's like that kind of belief, um, belief that yeah. you are then um, vocalizing, which is which is yeah. It's uh, it's again, it's me and my obsessive compulsive way of reading texts and trying to see the narrative that is trying to be sketched. Then we move on but to it also the touches base.
1: Yes, It also highlights the theme that I chose. Loving God, yeah. help us to worship the child in the manger.
0: Uh, yeah, that's according to Luke um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. We know the story and I I want to pull out one thing. Um, and it, it speaks to what, what the gradual um, hymn was, where it was the, the shepherds in the fields. Um, so this would have been winter in, in Israel, which is quite temperate. I mean you get nighttime temperatures that reach into the, the low teens. Um, so these these guys weren't weren't they weren't uncomfortable. <laughs> like they were in the wilderness, yeah. but they weren't uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, Because, like sometimes, our 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 minds can be shrouded in this, uh, in the secular idea of Christmas, in the the Santa Claus and the winter wonderland, that sort of idea. So, a lot of people can equate the ambiance of the birth of Jesus with those frigid temperatures. Um, And it it really isn't like that. Like It probably maybe got to like nine degrees um, at its coldest. Uh, But then, so here are, uh, when shepherds, they watch the flock at night, then the angel of the Lord stood before them, which we assume is Gabriel, because he is the archangel. Um, And do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news, So again, we're putting ourselves in that little box of um, who God favored, which is the covenant people. Um, we'll just put that box aside for now. But it's a very specific description of what they will find. And then the onus is on the shepherds, who are at this stage regarded as the lowest of the low Um And like effectively, like the Shepherd Boys, we see driving the streets, um, or at least when we drive the streets of of Cape Town, because Cape Town, unfortunately, um, has vast stretches of premium highway estate, which is occupied by um, informal settlers. And they keep livestock. And we see these cows and sheep and goats walking around and the kids and we pay them no mind, no respect is given to them. Um, An inconvenience they are called. So the shepherds in Israel at that time are held to the same respect or in the same regard. Um, And now they have to go tell people what they saw, what is happening. They are the first witnesses to this. And everyone would have thought they were high. I was just wondering as you were speaking,
1: If that stories were told to those that lived in ivory towers, the response was clear in scripture. There was a fear in which change would mean um, a challenge and a threat to their power and their wealth. Shepherds had nothing. Even the sheep that they were looking after may not even have been theirs. Yeah. So here comes a story. Where better to tell the story to people hungering for hope, whose eyes and ears are not on acquiring wealth and power and position. Mm. And who better to go and tell than those people whom, whom you know would also be able to spread the news. Suppose the best way to have gotten news around the community would be To speak to somebody whose baggage of earthliness wasn't as heavy as most people, and a good story brings hope. Mm -hmm. And the message was not exclusionary. It was an inclusive. God had to start somewhere with this story. As with any story, it starts almost with specificity, you've got. The town where he was born, you've got a manger, you've got the mm-hmm. census, we have Augustus uh, name mentioned here. there's historical time, but there's also the theology that's involved here, the story of faith and um, and it was for all the people. It was good news for all the people. and then They were not able to go and tell unless they'd ventured to find the child wrapped in swathering clothes and lying in a manger. Mm. That was their focus point. They wouldn't have understood the message if they didn't go to the crib, to the manger. Mm. Um, And then I think... The, if the text continues, it would tell you the shepherds left after seeing Jesus and they were praising God. Mm. So the, the shepherds witness, God uses the most unlikely witnesses um, to bring about good. this transformation that they're looking for. Uh, this improvement of life that they are seeking uh, would not come from the ivory towers, and so their mm-hmm. hope is in God. Um and what I like about the story, if I can just add this to my response, mm-hmm. um, is how all of time and all of and heaven and earth are locked together in this moment, and um and, and, and where, where heaven and earth comes together, the, the vastness of heaven and the vastness of earth and of space and of time is all captured in the moment of encounter. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. In that tiny little child in that manger is the encounter where God and sinners are reconciled and um, and and where god sinners and and all of creation comes together there's a star there is cattle um there is the evidence that wheat uh, because of the straw was used so all of creation came to this point of worship this place of worship the manger Mm. and and that is why again it, it lends itself to the collect and to the theme that i extracted loving God help, help us to worship the child
0: in the manger very interesting um i, I want to move now to a that's not in the liturgy for the evening um but it's a song that i think there's a line in it that just Always sticks with me. It is the more modern or the most modern of the traditional carols. It is the little drummer boy.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And I want to call you to the. Okay. Firstly, there was this this amazing post on social media. um, My wife uh, read to me yesterday, I think it was. It was like, um, and there in the stable when. Um, you have the tired mother who had just laid her baby to, to rest, and a young man steps up and decides that what she needs is a drum solo.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing,
0: um, <huh>? but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but a little bit of history about The Little Drummer Boy. It was first performed by the Trap Family, in 1957 it was written in 1941 the trap family if you are a musical fan you will know as the music yes the heroes from the story of the sound of music yes so there's just a little bit yeah a little bit of interesting trivia there and the the so this the story goes the narrative is that the magi had called this boy to go along with them to the nativity scene. Um, So come, they told me, put up a pom-pom, a newborn king to see, our finest gifts we bring. So this is what the Magi is telling the boy in their call to action um, to lay before the king. um, So to honor him, but so he doesn't have anything. And so he plays his drum and his, his tribute is very moving and very poignant. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. Like that line jumps out at me every single time I listen to this song. And I've heard it a lot lately. My kids are obsessed with the pentatonics and the acapella stylings of Christmas songs. So I've heard the song a million times. Um, and it, it's just through the eyes of a child. Mm. What he sees there. Because he sees it quite barely as a lady and a child who's wrapped in pieces of cloth and he's laying in a manger. And he's like, Oh, you also poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have like I don't understand why these guys are bringing you all these gifts and stuff, but I'm gonna relate to you like on this level. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just an amazing image to, to, to capture come they told me pa 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 a
3: newborn king to see pa-ra-pa-pa-pa our finest gifts we bring pa
1: what it adds for me is is the fact that I may not be able to afford the the magnificent gifts that they are putting in front of you because those Mm. gifts are are gifts to celebrate a king. But I bring you myself, Mm. I share the identity you have of being poor, And so there's a solidarity between us. Mm. And I also give you the gift that I have, and that is playing my drum. Mm. And the intention of the music I'm playing is to give you, Mama, um, a soothing effect, a calming effect. And so I'm bringing my gift of myself and the talent I have, and I share this with you, those three gifts were for the, son, for the child, but I'm giving you a gift because you are special in all of this. And so, the, again, there the, the author of that of that of the of those um, of that words and of the narrative of the song um, brings to to the fore the special role in which Mary plays in the act of God through Jesus Christ. Um, and so, in other words, the invitation of that song is, what is your gift that you bring to Jesus in celebration and to the, and to the um, a, a nativity family? What, mm-hmm. what gift do you bring? Um, and he's teaching us. In our poverty, we still have something to give. We, we have solidarity to share, and we have... Talents that we that we have that we can give, so it's about giving oneself, and I, for me that's the remarkable part of the drama boy.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like I like that, that solidarity narrative, and 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 that that lesson of the only thing that you have with you is your talents and your abilities, and. It's about finding the space that it naturally wants to occupy in the situation you're in. Like I, 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 I related to um, my own discovery of what I imagine all my talents, um, because it's led me down career paths and stuff. Um, is I, I was fortunate enough to find what pleased me very early, like just probably a year or two after high school. Um, a lot of people go through their entire lives never finding what truly brings them joy. Um, I've been fortunate enough to reach the top of my specific mountain that I chose um, to conquer, and it it was never it never felt like a choice to me. I've always felt like I've been a prisoner of my abilities and the way my brain functions. Um, like I, I can't help but <laughs> mm-hmm. live my life that way. Um, and and, and it, it's, the challenge is always to find how to use that natural state how to submit to that natural state, and how to use it to help enrich the world, um, so that I'm happy, but I'm also happy in the knowledge that I am making a positive contribution. Um, and I, and I think I think that that's the, the the lesson that I that that I extract from from this. Um, yeah. And in closing, father, I've brought all of these songs over the last couple of weeks. But I've never asked you what your favorite Christmas song is and maybe a little personal anecdote behind it.
1: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say one of the other things that struck me about The Drummer Boy was that the author draws into the frame how our stories in generations after the event are still interlinking and needs to be interlinked with the nativity story, uh, with Mary's story, with Joseph's story, but above all with Jesus's story. Um, Our stories are always seeking to make connections with each other and uh, enrichment from each other. The story of prayer, this, this, at this time, would be Lord, we long for peace in a world that is torn by rivalry, conflict, hatred, and disasters. Now, what songs trigger my attention? Um, I don't know why there's a spark in me when I hear, oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night, O holy night, O night divine. O holy night, the stars are
3: brightly shining, it is the night of the dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in i
1: You know, I'm just thrown by the the storytelling and the way in which the author captures an event of of one specific night in all of history that is a defining moment for all of us. and, and I love how he captures what the world is going through. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Um, we go through that reality in every generation.
2: Where
1: history is written and told about the sins and errors that the world gives up. Um, what makes fun page news is not the good news um, uh, uh, till he appears and the soul felt it's worth. You know, the, that would not make uh, good news and the thrill of hope and weary world rejoices. The, the, the world does not rejoice in good news as it gloats about in the bad news. of of what goes on in humanity. This says, no, we should be making good news. We should be part of the good news cycle. We should be part of allowing this remarkable, defining moment in all of history, a holy night in our dear Savior's birth and how it brings to the fore what Isaiah prophesied, that he will bring peace to the earth. His rule will come with righteousness and justice. That's what we're looking for. So the description of a holy night as a defining moment for every soul, a defining moment for the world, because we can, we can now no longer, we don't longer need to celebrate war and we don't need to celebrate the defeat of an enemy. But we can rejoice because there's hope for us to live at peace with each other across every boundary possible. While I'm, while I'm thinking of this, I realize in the world of politics, how warmongering is the essence of the day. Mm. Um, how, how easily, um, in the corporate worlds, there is a fight with your. Um, with your um, opponent in the same business where people are looking for monopolies so that others don't have to survive, sadly. Listening this morning to one of the uh, YouTube reports where Mr. Trump says on the 6th of January he's inviting all the militias that are on his side to come to D.C., um, Uh, because it will be wild when they make the announcement that the Senate is against um, what the uh, Electoral College has has, uh, said about the election, and he's advocating war. This this night is a night of hope, that we are drawn to the Mm. night of the birth of our dear Savior and the soul longs for that reality to be lived out and, and what it brings with it. So for me, this is my favorite um, Christmas carol.
0: That is a very good one. And I had a whole thing prepared around that as well um, uh, because it is, it is so moving. Um, mostly, I, I feel... It's because it's the traditional soprano solo um, and when delivered with with real passion there was and, and i know i'm kind of um promoting the opposition <laughs> go for it but uh, the 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 christmas spectacular for all their fa- for all their failures i mean i remember the first one that we attended the first the one that they had here um was there was like this real business presentation um, in the middle and there were envelopes under the seat. You were okay. encouraged to put money into the a seed, into the envelope, and then it was preyed upon and all those things. But besides all of that, you strip all that away. You focus just on the show that they put on, the music, all of that. This year's one, um, I think they stole screening in cinema into January. Um They have a moving rendition of O Holy Night where they integrate Afrikaans and Isikosa and Zulu as well for certain verses, which is, it's truly, and, and they matched it almost to the same, almost perfectly to the same cadence and to the same sort of rhyming scheme of of the story and it it was, it was really moving but like the 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 real message of hope that that speaks to me in these words is for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn and it it calls to mind i mean if if you're looking for a real poetic um, version of of this image is in j r tolkien's writing and i'm I'm happy that they use that exact line in in the movie. It was in the second Lord of the Rings movie, um, where he speaks to to the people of Rohan, or Gandalf is speaking to the people of Rohan, and he says, in the morning look to the east. Um, and yeah, it was just then they, they under siege by Sauruman's army and Helm's Deep is falling. And they see the outcast, the Riders of Rohan on the horizon in the morning with the sun at their backs um, and they charge the, the siege army. And it, it, it's an amazing kind of depiction of, 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 of that idea that, that hope comes in the morning, that there's, there's something mm-hmm. new, something life changing there. And yes, I have held all my cynicism about this time um, in my pocket. <laughs> because I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have landed well. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs>
1: look, I, 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 look, I understand. Um, but, but to speak into your cynicism, I would say, is there a better story ever told? Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I will concede. I will concede your <laughs> point. And on that, Father, if there are any other meditations you can extract from the prayers of the church.
1: I I want to, um, you know, let people know that just because the 16 days of activism um, has sort of ended, Um, we're going to continue praying all kinds of prayers of activism and lighting a candle. I found a prayer that I I would like people to to know. It's a prayer for perpetrators of abuse, and it's got four verses. I took one of the verses, and it says, Lord, break the patterns of abuse committed down the generations, transform attitudes and behavior, in current and future relationships. Amen. That's one of the prayers I'd like to highlight that we do not stop praying um, uh, against violence, against gender-based violence uh, of all forms. Mm -hmm. And then as as we continue to hear of the rise of the COVID-19, now with a new strain of mutation and the challenge that um, is out there, Um, we again encourage people to follow the protocols in their homes and when they're on the outside. And I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Uh, Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, give us wisdom to find relief and give us faith to be responsible and grant us your salvation. For Jesus Christ's sake. And then I just want to conclude this. um, We are never ready for the unexpected ways you come into our lives. And confess our reluctance to see things from your perspective. As the shepherds heard that unexpected chorus of praise and responded with delight. May we too look for the unexpected with praise and adoration. Giving worship, service and love to Christ the Lord. And then in conclusion, um, I also want to remind people that we are expecting and waiting patiently for all of your dedication return slips. Um, that uh, So we, we are also looking at the theme of dedication. And so in conclusion, the blessing. May you have the spirit of Christmas, which is peace. The gladness of Christmas, which is hope; the heart of Christmas, which is love; and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you all this night and always. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks to Lindsay, who has helped us journey um, with this exploration of faith in crucial and critical times uh, internationally, and. Pray that you will all stay safe and keep to the protocols um, so that we can restrain this virus from doing what it's doing to us already. Truly
3: he us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all